people deluded i'm back again thank you very much for tuning back into another edition of the deluded podcast the dg podcast a really and truly podcast whatever you want to refer to it as i've put my phone on silent it seems that every podcast my phone seems to go off due to an alarm but i hope you're all doing well and safe people obviously it's friday or I hope when you're watching this or listening to this, it's a Friday. It's Friday, people. You know, we're at the end of the week. We're one step closer to watching Premier League football again. And obviously ending the work week. So, people, just get through it. Just taking this hour of, a, of my podcast. It'll probably be 40 minutes. And, you know, Friday is just that bit closer to being done. I hope you're all well and safe, as I have already stated. And I hope you're all in good spirits. Can't imagine you wouldn't be because you're with the best podcaster there is in this football space. Let's actually start with Europa League action. Now, generally, before I forget, it was nice to see Dane Scarlett make his debut 16 years of age for um, for Spurs. There must be some records he's hit. Obviously, Benfica came from behind against Rangers. Celtic absolutely bottled it against Prague. And, you know, Eduard, I got a lot of time for him, but he should have scored. Either way, they got duppied. I think this is they lost to a team that's beat them twice now, 4-1 or so. And they've been on a losing run, run. The last time they won a game was against Celtic. Coming into this, they were four or five games unbeaten. And then they obviously played against and then they played against Celtic and won. Obviously, if you're an Arsenal fan, Balogun got his, you know, I don't want to say debut goal, but his first maiden goal in senior professional game, you know. Um, it was lovely for the Hayland Arsenal youngsters, you know. Smithrow and Joel got some assists. Nelson and, and Balogun got on the score sheet. Eddie Nketiah didn't cover himself with the biggest blades of glory, people. But what can I say? Arsenal won three goals to one. Three, three nil apologies. I'm so used to conceding on that topic. You know, we didn't concede. We kept a clean sheet for once. You know, we played four games. Con- um, what's it? Got 12 points. We're through. Hopefully in the uh, in the subsequent games now, in the group stages. Now, I don't want to say the remaining games are dead rubber. But you want to see our young players. You want to see potentially Balogun start. You want to see Smith Rowe. You want to see the rest of them. And maybe people like Ben Cottrell, Miguel Aziz, who I would have loved to have come off the bench. But we're unlucky this time around. Hopefully that could be done. For Arteta, you're happy because, you know, you can firmly focus on whoever you're going to get in the next round or preparing for whoever that might be. But also you can rest players as you're as you're seeing people. The games are coming thick and fast and our bodies are dropping like flies. I think it was a good performance, really, man, in, in all people. Um, I think Pepe was good from start to finish and he's obviously in the headlines for the right reasons with his goal. I think Joel Woolock worked very hard for the first two of the three goals. Um, I think Eddie Nketiah had a very poor game, in my opinion. Snatched at efforts, was far too greedy and just on the peripheral things. Obviously, Runison kept a clean sheet, but I'm, he's pretty dodgy, man. He looks like a year seven, you know, when you're in year seven and you've got them big blazers and the big bag and your mum's bought you clothes that are a size or two above so you can grow into it. That's what he looks like. Like, I'm not trying to judge him too tough, but he doesn't command his area well enough. He doesn't give the aura of a goalkeeper. He's not really convincing coming out and collecting. And there was numerous shaky moments within that game, whether he's coming out and miss kicking the ball, dodgy throws. He was moving like a Sunday league keeper and he's looking a bit booky. I think apart from Eddie and Ketty and Renison, everybody else done relatively well and they can be, you know, proud of their proud of their performances people you know for what it's worth you know for Balogun has scored with his first ever attempt for Arsenal senior team which is good for him 
All four of Reese Nelson's goals for Arsenal have come in different competitions. He's bagged in the league, he's bagged in the FA Cup, he's bagged in the League Cup, and he's bagged in the Europa. Variety is the spice of life. And Reese Nelson, for me, had a very encouraging game. With Nelson, you just want him to get a bit more polished now, you know, end product a bit more crisper and, consist and, and consistent, you know. Sometimes when he shoots, it's going over or there's not enough effort. Just little real things. But like you saw, he's very positive. He's full of confidence. He's very positive going forward. He's a strong dribbler. He linked up well. For me, he can excel on the left and on the right. He can actually play in a 10. I'm not here to say he's going to be the best in the world. I hope he does. But I think people have forgotten how good Reese Nelson is. I think the penny's firmly dropped for Reese Nelson. And I think Reese Nelson is ready. I think he's in contention to start against Wolves. Willie, it all depends on the fitness of Bakayo Saka, who is irrelevant because he should be playing on that left-hand side for me if Aubameyang will go back through the middle people and for me I think William will be fit so he'll elect with William I would like to see Saka, Nelson and Aubameyang remain through the middle but I think um, considering Nelson got significant game time midweek I think it's naive. But he's looked good off the bench against Leeds and he's looked good in his start. And I think he's pushing for an opportunity. For Nicolas Pepe, simply put, as I stated, people, he's in the headlines for the right reasons. The manager, you know, was on to you after the Leeds game. He's publicly backed you. He squashed reports of going out on loan, of, you know, played his last game for Arsenal, of, um, you know, not having the trust of his teammates. You saw what it meant to him and his teammates when he scored. You know, he put he backed up his manager's faith because his manager could have dropped him out of this game, but he did what he needed to do. He got us, he got us off the score sheet. I mean, off off the mark and bagged the first goal, and he looked very good from start to finish. Of course, you have to discount with all due respect to mould and the level of the opposition, but he looked good from start to finish. As I said in my review, in regards to Molder, you know they're a very good ball playing side. They tried to play out from the back. They stopped when he was picking their pockets. Um, but they can play ball. They're a bit like an old Arsenal team in that they're content with playing triangles and doing stuff in and around our area without actually harming us. But I think they're a good side and they've given a good account of themselves. On the topic of Nicolas Pepe, he has been directly involved in nine goals in his 10 UEFA Europa League games for Arsenal. And he has been the one to kind of decide games for us at this level so far this season. He's got four assists and five goals and he's netted in each of his last three appearances. And in all comps, he's got three goals in, in, four, in, in four. So we're going to be without him, whatever you have to say. Um, another statistic, Arsenal have lost just one of their last 14 away games in the group stages of a major European competition, with that defeat coming against FC Cologne in November 2017. The only game they failed to score in during this run. Um, so yeah, man, we've done quite well in, in that regards. Um, since beating Sheffield United 2-1 at the start of October, 12 of Arsenal's 13 goals in all competitions have come in the Europa League, with the only exception being Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's penalty at Old Trafford in the Premier League. So we are firmly starving, people. Starving, 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 starving. I believe Leicester, I didn't watch the game, I saw the highlights. Leicester draw free, drew 3-3 free, free with Braga. They come from behind to grab a draw. You know, Leicester showed some fight and some resilience and it looked like, based on the highlights, it looked quite the game to watch people. Um, Luke Thomas, um, the fullback, he's become Leicester City's youngest ever goal scorer in a major European competition at 19 years of age, 169 days old. Harvey Barnes has scored in two of his each, has scored in better yet each of his two starts in the Europa League for Leicester. So he's a sharp shooter firmly in that regards, people. Um, you know, 
moving away, moving firmly away from that. And if we look at Spurs, I believe Spurs won 3-0 because I watched the game. In fact, I turned it off at 3-0 and went downstairs. And Lucas got his fourth based on the highlights. So, yeah, it was 4-0. I'm sure there was no goal from, from Gareth Bale, but I'm sure Spurs fans won't mind. You know, Daly Ali, the forgotten man in, the rela in relation to the Premier League, got some minutes. Harry Winks scored a, a banger, to put it frank, you know, absolute peach. Vecinius, um, I'm about to call him Vecinius Junior, Carlos Vecinius, I believe his name is, the young Brazilian striker they've got on loan from Benfica, you know, not had too many opportunities due to the form of Son and Kane, you got to take them when they come and fair enough it's only Ludogretz but he scored twice and it must be very good for the Brazilian man to get his first two goals for the club. That might not be his first two clubs, but get two goals at home. Bit of confidence. Um, you know, his fellow compatriot, Lucas Moura, also scored for Tanganga. You know, he used to play for my team, Edmund and All-Stars. So I don't really care that he plays for Spurs. I want him to do well. It's nice to see he's recovering from injury. And obviously, I'm sure Spurs fans are... Every game, Bale plays more minutes in the tank. Bale should have had a goal, to be fair, in that game. But, you know, Spurs won 4-0. And it was a fantastic moment for me. Not because of Spurs winning. It's never nice when Spurs win. But as you lot know, Dane Scarlett, 16 years of age, 247 days old. He's 16. He's, he's quite tall. You know, he's got a good size on him. He can withstand tackles and hold off people. The man knows how to score goals. He didn't obviously came off the bench. He didn't he didn't score. Um, but he's, he's shown me a lot for Spurs and for England at youth level. And he's in relatively good form this year. Haven't got stats to hand of him. But um, you can it's all available in the Premier League site. He has been scoring goals and he is a new nuisance and firmly a handful for defenders he's 16 I think by 18 he'll firmly be in, in Spurs' first team I'd be surprised if he's not you know I'm not here to say he's going to be world class that this that and the other I think he's a great player he's now Spurs' youngest ever player in a major European competition so there's a bit of statistics for him and you know for the 16 year old it's a fantastic moment there's no guarantees in football you know we all know how tough it is to be a footballer I can guarantee his parents I don't know where they live but they had to get him down to Spurs I Shooting four times a week, once for a game, three times training, with no guarantees that man's going to make it, no, no matter how good he is. So when I see Balogun, when I see Dane, that, um, Dane Scarlett, whether they're scoring or assisting or making their debut or just getting some minutes on the TV, it's good for their families and the coaching staff. Like I said, man, for Dane, it's a good moment. He's become a scholar. He's a, still a first-year scholar, people. So the target was just to firmly play consistently for the 18s, push the 23s. He will probably sign a pro when he gets his when he returns 17, and Spurs would be silly not to. It's probably a formality in that regard. So long may it continue for the young man, man. He's doing his thing. In relation to Tottenham, Tottenham have won five consecutive matches in all competitions for the first time since November 2018, which was under former manager Pochettino, which was a run of six. That's very good form considering, you know, what, what they meet on Sunday or Saturday. I think they've got Chelsea, forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, they've also kept three consecutive clean sheets for the first time since April 2019. And I think this season, if you look at Spurs, that's probably one concerning area defensively. They've improved of late, but when you look at games against Everton, VAR took it, but, you know, they cost themselves with, with a silly mistake. West Ham, you know, they make games harder than it needs to be. And also, they're not exactly the best defensively. There's a, I still am very scared to play Spurs in, in a week's time. Or, what well, I say a week, I don't actually know. But, um... You get the point. 
Obviously, shout out to PSV as well. You saw former Spurs player Nonne Maduke. I can never say his name. Forgive me for mispronunciations. He, um, you know, he was doing his thing and he scored. Obviously, Daniel Marlin, a former Guna. So the North London boys are doing their thing elsewhere. Um, also, RIP Diego Maradona, um, in case you don't know. And it was fantastic to see Napoli win. It's a fitting tribute for him. Once again, RIP Diego Maradona. It sucks that he has sadly left this earth man you know he, he died young man don't deserve to die that young man it's crazy people it's absolutely crazy moving away from that you know psg as i said um won three goals to two in the europa league um you know it was quite a shameful performance against slavia pra um for, for nice for patrick vieira's men and um, they lost three goals to one with vieira actually issuing a public apology to his fans leo and ac milan drew 1-1 you know, Antwerp won 2 0 against LSK, LASK. Katyarabag lost three goals to two against Sivospor. Gent lost 2 0 against Red Star. Hoffenheim won 2 0. Um, Wolfsberger lost 3 0 against Dynamo Zagreb. Feyenoord and CSK Moscow drew 0 0. Um, AEK Athens against Zora. Zora won 3 0. Um, Uno Emre's Villarreal side against Tel Aviv drew a goal to, well, drew 1 1, better yet. Young Boys defeated CSKA Sofia, a goal to nil. Bloody hell, there's so many Europa League games. Standard Liege beat Leech Poznan, two goals to one, and there was two red cards in that game. Roma defeated Cluj 2 nil. You know, RIP Diego Maradona again. Napoli won two goals to nil. It was a thriller between Benfica and Rangers in their 2-2. You know, it's the first ever European campaign for Granada. And, you know, they won two goals to one against Amonia. Big up Leon Bailey, the yard man for bagging as well. His team, Bayern Leverkusen, won four goals to one. Dundalk lost 3-1 against Rapid Vienna in Arsenal's group. While AZ Alkmaar and Sociedad drew nil-nil people. Moving away from that and moving away from the big boy competition in Europe, you know, the you know, the Champions League is way too mainstream. Europe Europa League is where it's all at, in my opinion. But moving to the Champions League, let's move forward, people. I'm sure you've all seen the Champions League. I'm sure you've all got your opinions, man. For me, the one thing that stands out is 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 Vidal getting sent off, man, really and truly. He was moving a bit bad. Obviously, Haaland is a, is, is a beast. Bruno Fernandes scored a banger. But let's start with Chelsea. Now, for Chelsea, Callum Hudson-Odoi got them off to the... Got them off to the um, Got them off to the, to a good start. You know, Gizare, that striker who's been linked with a couple of Premier League teams, I don't think he's ready yet. He obviously bagged in the 85th minute before a familiar face sealed three points for Chelsea. Olivier Giroud, whose future has been, you know, in, 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 in the spotlight of recent. There's talk of leaving, you know, he wants to play for France and the same old story about needing regular football. For a squad, you keep Giroud. He's a lovely option to have, you know. You've got Tammy, you've got Giroud. You've got Werner, you know, out of all of them, again, Werner hasn't really got the statistics to back it. 38 games, I'm only really relying on Werner to try and get me 20 league goals. But Tammy Abraham can return a very decent return. Giroud's obviously shown off the bench. Selfishly, for a squad, they've got fantastic sort of options, you know. When Tammy's not at it, Giroud can make the day. When Giroud's not at it, the other guys can make the day. It was a thriller, you know. Chelsea could have had egg on their face. They probably should have taken more chances. But it is what it is. I watched this game, oh yeah, it was 
was a lovely ball from Mason Mount for Callum Hudson Adoy as well. Um, I watched this game for a couple of reasons, man. Obviously, the two young boys, man. I wanted to see Camavinga. You know, he was on the right hand side in that midfield. Didn't really stand out. He's still a talented player. Jeremy Doku is still adapting to life at Rennes and didn't really take his chance. I didn't see Rote or Soppy and um, Brendan, Brendan Soppe. Two young players who I've seen play for France at, at youth level and also both signed up to um, Rennes. But Chelsea have did what they needed to do. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure Chelsea fans won't care how they do it. They're just just the fact that they're through is all, is all that matters. With that, Rennes have won just one of their last 11 games in European competition, losing eight and drawing two. Chelsea have made the knockout stages in 16 of their 17 Champions League seasons. The only time they failed to get out was 2012-13. Is that when they won the Europa? I'm sure I could be wrong. Um, Rennes have managed just one clean sheet in their last 14 games in European competition. You have to go back to December of last year in the Europa League where they won two goals to nil against Lazio people. Um, for Seville, they won 2-2-1 against Kanzonsdor. I can't say their name. Rakitic got them off to a good start. You know, two former Barcelona boys made the difference, people. Rakitic scored in the fourth minute. Um before a late equaliser by Wamberto in the 56. And then Munir added on time, sealed it, um, people. It was very much Seville. You know, they made 587 passes to 389. They had 23 shots, eight on target. But you've got to make your chances, pet. You've got to take your chances, people. Seville have reached the knockout stages of the Champions League in five of their six appearances in the competition. Only time they failed to do so was 15-16. We all know Villarreal, I mean... Seville apologies have a rich history with the competition, so we need to be serious. On the topic of former Barcelona boys, Rakitic has scored in consecutive Champions League appearances for the first time in what was his 76th appearance in the competition. Um, they, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong. My point about Europa League, I'm sure the group's probably changed with this win, but it looked like Seville were gonna go, we're gonna, we're gonna go into the Europa League. Um, but with that, in fact, I'm bugging out. I'm bugging out. They're second in their groups and they were never in never in that. I wanted to see a bit more from Rennes, people. I'm not going to lie. They sit fourth. I thought at least they'd be in the Europa League. They, You know, four games, Seville and Chelsea, it's expected. But Rennes have one point. It's poor, really. It's poor. Um, and yeah, man, my point actually was about Europa League. Um, you know, Seville, it, when it comes to European competition, they've been very consistent. And many people are trying to see, can they cause an upset in that regards? They've got a tradition with knockout competition. They are a difficult outfit to play as well. Shouldn't underestimate them. People question Mark United and their ability to create chances and whatnot. You know, it's... it's I don't know. I don't know what the footballing gods are doing, but whatever competition Manchester United play in, they seem to get a penalty. And you know, Marcus Rashford, who's been named on the football blacklist and been, I think he's been getting a, he's going to get a special award. Um, not he's not winning Personality of the Year, Sports Personality of the Year. He should, um, for what he's doing. But there's a special award being given to him for such. So big up Marcus Rashford. Rashford bagged in the 35th minute. Dan James scored and added on time. Um, before that, there was a brace, obviously, from Bruno Fernandes in the 7th and 9th minute. And his first goal was a peach. I'm not going to lie. That was a serious banger from Bruno Fernandes. A banger. With that, Manchester United have won their last seven home games in European competition by an aggregate scoreline of 24-2. to Istanbul, who beat them in the in in the return fixture or the previous tie, have lost their last four away games in major European competition by an aggregate scoreline of two goals to twelve. 
Um, the parallels between them two sides are quite crazy. Manchester United have scored nine goals in their two Champions League home games this season, compared to last, um, compared to their league form, where they've scored just three goals in five league games. So it's funny how changing a, a competition can can make things happen. Maybe there's less pressure. Who knows, people? Barcelona won 4-0 against Dynamo Kiev. No Lionel Messi, no problem. Griezmann came into his home and bagged in the 90th minute. Braithwaite scored a brace, including a penalty. And Sergio Dest, the newly recruited fullback from Ajax, bagged as well, people. Um, so I'm sure they won't care. Obviously, it's nice for that young guy. Um, is it Oscar Minguesam Garcia, 21 years of age? PK's injured and will miss a significant part of the season. But he was involved and he got a start. Um, it was Pedri's 18th birthday recently. And, you know, what better way to spend your birthday or have a birthday present than playing for Barcelona? Tran Tranquillo, um, don't think he stood out necessarily in this game, but it was nice to see him, Reca Pig, De La Fuente get minutes. It was it was really lovely. Mateus Fernandes, even a 22-year-old Brazilian lad. I'm sure Barcelona won't care. In, in terms of the league, they've been milking it and making it harder than it needs to be. But a 4-0 victory will do a bit of good. PSG were kind of, you know, given a tough game against Leipzig, in my opinion. And I'm sure you've all saw the clips of Kylian Mbappe trolling Nagelsmann. Um, Neymar scored a penalty in the 11th minute to take three points for Leipzig. With that being said, PSG have now won five of their last six home Champions League games, kept a clean sheet in each of those victories. Um, Leipzig have lost consecutive Champions League away games as a many um, as many. Apologies. RB Leipzig have lost consecutive Champions League games, excluding qualifiers, as many defeats as they suffered in their previous seven away trips, people. Um, it was also PSG's third victory in their last seven Champions League clashes against German opposition, people. So I'm sure they're happy. Lazio won 3-1 against Zenit St. Petersburg, Borussia Dortmund, you know we love to watch Dortmund, Jaden Sanjo back amongst the goal scorers, I'm sure he scored a free kick, again I've watched a lot of football but I'm sure he bagged a free kick, Haaland is a scary prospect, in the league last last week he scored four goals, just a, just a two today, just a brace yesterday or whenever, he scored in the 18th and the 60th minute, it's crazy people and I love to watch Dortmund for several reasons, you know me, they've got my guy Jude Bellingham, they've got Jaden Sanjo, they've got Gio Reyna, they've got this mutant football monster in, in Haaland. You know, I can't describe him. Mikoko didn't get off the bench this time, but he's about there as well. So it is what it is. I wasn't impressed with Juventus's 2-1 victory and Perlo seems to be have serious question marks over his management. But courtesy of Cristiano Ronaldo and Morata, the job was done and Juventus claimed three points. They weren't at their best. They made it harder than they needed to be. They struggled, but it is what it is. Three points is three points. Phil Foden had something to say for um, Manchester City against Olympiacos, courtesy of a Raheem Sterling assist. He smashed it in and, and you know, Sterling's developing more and more. Phil Foden is a joke and I think he need, England needs to be built around him, you know. Breed his creativity, let it thrive. Borussia Mönchengladbach put Shakhtar Donetsk to the sword people and smacked them up four goals to nil. Porto got a man sent off, as did Marseille. Marseille qualified for the Champions League in dramatic circumstances, which delighted the footballing world, but they've given a poor account of themselves, losing 2-0, and it is quite damning for them, people. Um, a red card for Borussia Dortmund, Loney, Bolari, Bolardi, I can't say his name. With that, you know, Marseille have become the eighth team to lose each of their first four group stages while failing to score in a single Champions League campaign since Anderlecht in 2017 18. 
Porto have won three consecutive UEFA Champions League matches for the first time since December 2018. Marseille have conceded at least once in each of their last 12 games in all European competition. That's now their joint longest run without a clean sheet in European matches alongside a 12-game wait, wait apologies between September 2012 and December 20, before September during September 2012 and December 2013. So Marseille and, and Villas-Boas in the headlines for the wrong reasons. Atlanta pulled off a shocker. They played a depleted Liverpool side or a rotated Liverpool side and won two goals to nil, people. Nice to see Curtis Jones get more minutes. That Tomas Cassie got Timis Cass left back, got some minutes, as did Nico Williams. Um, Salzburg lost three goals to one. Against Bayern Munich, you know, Lewandowski, Kingsley Coleman and Sane had something to say. Roja was, was sent off for Bayern Munich. Don't think Shobozlai had the best of games. You know, he got substituted. It weren't really one of those games for him. But it is it is what it is in that regards, people. It really is what it is, man. You know, Bayern Munich just putting people to the sword, really and truly. Simply put, each and every time, they're just annihilating teams, annihilating oppositions and doing what they need to do. Grass is green, Bayern Munich destroying sides and they probably have to be the favourite for the Champions League. Atletico, you know, they do struggle to create and they drew nil-nil against Lokomotive. Um, Ajax, you know, big up Ryan Gravenbech for scoring as well. That young 18-year-old's going to be a star. They won three goals to one. Um, finally, you know, one game that shocked me, you know, you've got Real Madrid versus Inter Milan. Hakimi scored an own goal against his former club. A penalty for Eden Hazard in the seventh minute. Vidal was sent off in the 33rd. So it was a poor, you know, Barella gave away a penalty, if I remember rightly. Vidal sent off. It, was, it wasn't the day. I think Odegaard looked up for it as well in that game. And you'd have to admit, you know, Inter Milan are flirting with going out of the group, people. You know, Real Madrid have won away to either Milan side for the first time with what was their 15th attempt. Inter Milan have lost four of their last five games against Real Madrid in European competition, losing twice against them, losing twice against them in a single season for the first time. Real Madrid have won each of their last five UEFA Champions League matches against Italian sides if we quickly very quickly look at the Champions League groups I know I should do the same with the Europa League but I'm not going to people I might I might let's look at the group standings people it's only right in fact man you know you've got Bayern Munich first and second you know Bayern Munich and Atletico still first and second in group A Lokomotiv third Salzburg last group B Gladbach are first Real Madrid are second. Shakhtar Donetsk will be in the Europa League with four points and third. You know, there's two games left. You know, mathematically, I guess technically Inter Milan can still qualify, but it don't look good. Two draws, two losses in four games with two points. It's an L. 12 points for Manchester City. They're on 12 in first place. Porto are in nine. Um, Olympiacos with a three. And Marseille are rock bottom. Group D could be a bit political. I think it's a formality of Liverpool qualifying, but they're on nine points. Atlanta and Ajax are both on seven. Michland are rock bottom with zero. Group E, Chelsea and Seville, first and second, respectively, 10 points. Third and fourth, um, with Konzonspor and Renz are both on a point in third and fourth, respectively. Dortmund are nine point, uh, have nine points on the board from their four games in Group F. Lazio have eight. Bruges are uh, um, four and sit third. Zenit St. Petersburg are fourth. Group G, Barca's first. Juventus are second. Um, Kiev and Ferrocaros, I can't say their names, c complete the group with third and fourth. 
Barca are on 12 points to Inter, um, to Juventus is nine. Group H with PSG and Manchester United, nine points for United. Quite the quite the performance from them in the groups, you have to say it. Call it a spade a spade. PSG have six points. Leipzig have six points. Istanbul have three. The three they claimed off United. So it's far from it's far from done there. You know, I've named the Champions League group stages and it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right not speaking about the Europa. So I'll quickly go over the Europa standings for you guys. Group A, you've got Roma first. You've got Young Boys second. You've got Kluge and Sofia in third and fourth. Group B, Arsenal are on 12 points. We're first. Molder are still second. Rapid Vienna with their win are tied on points in third position with six. Dundalk are rock bottom with zero. Slavia, top group C with nine points. Leverkusen are behind them with also nine points. You've then got the two teams behind them with three points apiece. And I'm hoping Patrick Vieira's men in third place better get better. Group D, Rangers are first. Benfica are second, both on eight points. Poznan are with three points. Standard Liège are rock bottom also with three points. Group E, which has been quite crazy just when I watched the highlights. Granada are first with 10 points. PSG has six. Pacao have five. Omonia are rock bottom with one. Napoli, who won their last game, nine points in Group F. You know, second is Sociedad with seven. Third is AZ Alkmaar with seven. And HNK Rijeka are bottom with no points. Um, Group G, Leicester City have 10 points. Braga, who they drew 3-3 against, um, are behind them in se with, with 7 points. Um, sit second. AEK, AEK Athens are third. Zora are fourth. Both have 3 points. Group H, you've got Lille eighth, with 8 points in first. AC Milan with 7. Prague with um, 6 points in third. And, you know, Neil Lennon, there must be question marks over his future, not just off the Europa League, but domestically. Four games played, one point, one draw, three defeats. It's not good for a club like Celtic. Group I, you know, Villarreal and Una Emre go marching on, 10 points. Tel Aviv behind them with seven. Sivaspor with six. Kat Yarabag rock bottom, four games played and no points, people. Group J, Spurs aren't actually top people. Royal Antwerp are, are top with nine points. Spurs are second with nine points. LASK have six. Ludogrets, four games played, no points. So they'll be firmly out of the competition. Group K, Zagreb have eight points. Feyenoord have five. Wolfsburger AC are third with four points. CSK Moscow um, are, f um, are, fourth with, are fourth with three points. Group L and finally, Hoffenheim have 12 points. Complete qualification for them. You've got Red Star with nine points behind them. You've got Liberic with three points in third. You've got Gent, Rock, Bottom in zero, people. So it's been a fantastic sort of period in, in European competition, depending on what club you support. Now, let's move to the Premier League, people. Premier League football is back. Those of you that do um, FPL, Make sure you do it today because there'll be football today. It's Crystal Palace versus Newcastle. Crystal Palace welcome Newcastle to their place, people. 11th place versus 15th. Crystal Palace are on 13 points. Newcastle on 11. So it is a bit political there. You know, and sandwiched in between those two sides, people. You've got Arsenal in third, City behind them in 13th and Leeds in 14th. Shows how crazy the season is, people. Um, for what it's worth, Crystal Palace have won two of their last three Premier League meetings with Newcastle, as many as they had in their first 15 against them. After winning their first four Premier League away games against Crystal Palace um, between 1994 and 2013, um, 
Newcastle are winless in their last five top flight visits to Selhurst Park against them, losing two and drawing three. There's been seven goals scored in the last seven Premier League meetings between these two sides. Newcastle have scored four, Palace have scored three, with neither sides netting more than once in a game since Palace won 5-1 in 2015. So maybe one goal wins this. Um, a negative hoodoo for, for Crystal Palace. They're winless in all 12 of their top flight league games played on a Friday. Friday. Friday, losing um losing seven, drawing five. Um, it's the most games played by a club on a specific day without picking up a single victory in top flight history. Um, so yeah, they're gonna need to be at it. And I know Zaha's had to quarantine, so they're gonna they might still be without their talisman. Um, tomorrow at twelve thirty, which would obviously be Saturday, you've got Brighton welcoming Liverpool to their place. Brighton have never won a top flight home game against Liverpool, losing four and drawing three. Um, losing all three in the Premier League by an aggregate scoreline of two goals to nine. Their only home victory against Liverpool, and there's a first time for everything, came against them in the second tier in 1961, allegedly. Um, Liverpool have won three of their last nine meetings with Brighton in all comps, netting 27 in the process and conceding seven. Um, obviously, last time out, Brighton won 2-1 against Aston Villa, and they're looking to pick up back-to-back -back wins for the first time since November 2019. However... Each of the Seagulls' last four Premier League wins have been away from home, winning none of their last eight at the Amex. So maybe, you know, they don't feel comfortable in their home ground anymore and they're firmly going to have to be at it if they want to get something positive away from this this game. I apologise for everything, people. I've just dropped a bottle off, off the table by moving the table. I'll pick it up after. The show must go on. Brighton have never won in 14 previous attempts against the reigning champions, losing 12 and drawing 2, losing all six such games in the league by an aggregate scoreline of two goals to 21 people. Liverpool are winless in their last three Premier League away games, though, losing one and drawing two. They last, one, they last went four without a win on the road between January and March 2017 with five games. You wouldn't have thought that with Liverpool with the way they've been playing. Manchester City need to hit back and need to hit back fast. You know, Spurs and Liverpool are up there for first and second, both on 20 points. Chelsea and Spurs play each other um, this weekend. City need to put points on the board. They're on 12 points. They're already eight points adrift. They need to close the gap, really. And they'll welcome Brighton at 3pm to their place. New, um, Manchester City, for what it's worth, have won their last six meetings with Burnley in all competitions by an aggregate scoreline of 23-1. to 1. Burnley have won just one of their last 12 meetings in the Premier League with Manchester City, losing eight and drawing three. They last beat them in 2015. Um, the Clarets have shipped more Premier League goals against Man City than against any other side, which stands at 34. Um, you know, which is quite crazy. Manchester City have failed to score more than once in any have have failed to score more than once in any of their last six Premier League games, having netted at least twice in each of their last seven previous games. So again, they might not be firing. Um, so we'll have to see people. And on that topic, people, you know, they're not firing. Man City are averaging 15.7 shots and 5.3 shots on target per game in the league this season, while they've had a conversion rate of 8%. In all, um, in all the, the times 
Pep Guardiola's managed in the campaigns for, for Manchester City, that's at their lowest. Maybe a bit of that is to do with injuries and things like that, but it don't look good. Now, there's some interesting fixtures this week, people. You know, Brighton versus Liverpool is one for me. I think the Friday game with Palace and Newcastle is also one. Sheffield United um, travel to West Brom. That's an interesting game because there's pressure on both teams, both managers and both players. This will also be the first ever Premier League meeting between the two sides. Um between the two sides, people. So it's a bit of history. Both men in, in, in Bielik and Wilder, the two managers, they'll probably bite your arm off for, for three points. They need it. Um, they need it. However, when we go back to when they played each other in the top flight previously in 1972-1973, Sheffield won both those fixtures, 2-0 away from home and 3-0 at home. Um, so we'll have to see... Um, also, Sheffield United have won three of their last five away league games against West Brom people in a run stretching back to 2001. Both West Brom and Sheffield United are winless in their last nine Premier League games this season, with the Baggies only failing to win any of their first 10 to a league season in 1985-86. The last time Sheffield did that was in 1990-91. If the game between them finishes level, it will be the third time in Premier League history that two sides have failed to win any of their opening 10 games. After in 2012-13, you had Reading and QPR and 2018-19, you had Huddersfield and Newcastle. So that's probably not the most glamorous of fixtures, but it'll be interesting from a different perspective. In terms of what I expect to sell, you've got you've got Everton at Goodison Park against Leeds United. Now, Leeds United, last time I've seen them travel away from home, haven't been good. They were good against us. They weren't shooting and stuff. They're going to need to take their chances because Everton present chances and so did Leeds. So hopefully it follows on from the Arsenal-Leeds game where it's free-flowing. There's opportunities at both ends, really. I'm sure Everton and Carlo Ancelotti's men... They will want to just get the three points and do it in the easiest fashion they potentially can because, you know, they did against Fulham, but there was a late little fight back from Fulham. Everton are unbeaten in their last 13 top flight home games against Leeds people since losing in 1990. However, Leeds won their last meeting with Everton in all comps when they won in 2012, which was a 2-1 victory in the League Cup. Everton have kept a clean sheet in eight of their last 10 home games against Leeds people. Everton have lost Everton lost their last Premier League home match against Manchester United. They've not lost consecutive home league games since September 2019, which involved defeats against a side from Manchester in City and a Yorkshire side in Sheffield United. So you can see the parallels. So these things might be able to be a thing, but that's a game I'm looking at. You've got Southampton against Manchester United. Southampton welcome Manchester United. Purely because it's at St Mary's, these games are always funny, so I'm keen to see what happens. Manchester United haven't lost in any of their last nine Premier League away games against Southampton. Their only defeat at St Mary's came in August 2013. Southampton are winless in their last eight meetings with Manchester United since they won at Old Trafford in 2016. However, five of their last Four of their last five against against the Red Devils have ended levels. Um, you know, I'm sure United, if you go off the basis of the West Brom game, I'm sure United fans would simply put, they just want to see their team create chances from open play and kill the game. And they're going to need to be at it because like you see, Southampton are playing quite well. They're going to be without Danny Ings, but they've got players in good form. You know, they've got Ward Prowse, Che Adams is doing quite well. Armstrong's always got something to say if fit, you know, there's... 
there's a, there's a serious threat. So Bruno Fernandes and the rest of his United teammates are going to need to be at it, people. Um, Southampton have won each of their last three Premier League home games, people. So And the last time they won four in a row at St. Mary's was 2016. So I'm sure they're trying to chase that. So let's see what happens, people. Manchester United have come from behind to win nine Premier League games against Southampton. Only United themselves have won more from behind against an opponent in the competition, 10 against Newcastle. So again, I'm sure many Man United fans don't want their team simply put to make it any harder than it needs to be, people. You've got on Monday, you've got West Ham against Aston Villa. You've got Leicester City against Fulham. You know, Leicester will firmly see what they have to do because all the other Premier League teams would have played. Um, you know, West Ham have been a bit of a resurgence of late. Villa have been doing all right. So I'm keen to see what happens in that game. You've got Arsenal versus Wolves. Please make sure you're following me on YouTube because we'll go more in depth with that. But simply put, you know, I want to play convincingly. I want to win, you know. The United game means nothing apart from bragging rights because it's been sandwiched in between two defeats. And that's what Arsenal do. They'll give you these results. These They might win a North London derby or beat United at home, sandwiched in between a disastrous season like last season where we didn't beat United at their place. We beat them at home and we didn't win the North London derby, um, if I remember correctly. But, you know, I just want to see a convincing performance, man. I, I don't know what's going to what's gonna be said in that, in relation to that because they played on the Monday, we've played on the Thursday, so we've got less time for preparation. But I want to see what we can say, man. Arsenal have lost just one of their last 19 top flight meetings with Wolves. I don't want to read into that, people. You know, we lost in 2019 3-1. Wolves are winless in their last nine away games against Arsenal since winning in 1979. However, each of their last three visits to the Emirates have ended in a draw, a 1-1 draw. Arsenal have lost their last two home Premier League games by an aggregate scoreline of 4-0. They've not lost three in a row in the league without scoring since a run of four in November slash December 198. You know, before I was alive and I'm sure a lot of your parents were alive. Arsenal have scored just one goal in their last five Premier League meetings, failing to failing to score in either of their last two. The last time we'd have to go three without scoring was 2016. Again, highlights our lack of creativity and our lack of intent, people. Um, after a 10-game unbeaten run in the Premier League in London, winning five and drawing five, Wolves have lost their last two in the capital by an aggregate scoreline of 6-0. So hopefully we can finally win. We've been drawing a couple of times against them and the last time any side won was Wolves. So let's try and put that right. Probably the game of the week, people. The game that's probably the one everybody's looking at is obviously Chelsea versus Tottenham. You know, Spurs travel travel to 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 Stamford Bridge. Both teams should want to win. It's a not it's a London derby. They're rivals, whether it's top four and right now for the league on paper. It's Jose Mourinho's old club. You know, Lampard always gives Spurs verbal. There's a lot of reasons for both teams to want to win. You know, a Spurs win, they could be laughing. You're on 23 points. You know, you're hoping that something funny happens between Brighton and Liverpool. You're hoping Leicester don't get any points on the Monday. And you're kind of laughing, you know. To be fair with you, goal difference is against them. But a win, Sheffield United, I mean, Southampton could go level on points. So it's about moving ground. And if I'm... If I'm any one of those, you know, you want to win because, you know, it's a big game and you can make ground on the other team. If I'm Liverpool, you're you're trying to make sure you beat Brighton. I'm keen to see what happens in this game. You know, Spurs in their last couple of big games, what, last week, great, fantastic performance against Fingy, against Manchester City. They annihilated Manchester United at Old Trafford. So they should be, you know, have every bit of confidence. 
again, I do think there'll be a lot of space in the team, a lot of space. Both teams will give a lot of space on the transition. And I think Spurs can exploit that. I don't want anyone to win, but I'm going to go with Chelsea because they're the ops, but they're lesser the ops. Um, but I actually think Spurs will win this, you know. I can see a 2-1 victory for Spurs. I hope to be wrong. And I think Lampard, when it comes to going forward, they're good. But are they gelling defensively? You know, Kante, Rudiger, Zuma, recent games, they've looked good defensively, all of these guys. But are they spot on? And I just think the way Harry Kane's playing, the way Son's playing, the way Jose's motivating these men, it could be something. And it's time for Spurs to stand up to be counted because they haven't got an easy run of fixtures. It was great against City. They then play against Chelsea. Not that Arsenal are relevant, but it's a North London derby, really and truly. So the games are coming thick and fast for Spurs people. Um, and every it's all about momentum at this period in the season. Chelsea have won their last three Premier League meetings against Spurs, more than they had in their last eight against them. They lost one more consecutive against them in the competition between 2000 January 2000 and March 2002, which was six games. Spurs have won just one of their last 34 away games against Chelsea in all competitions, losing 22 and drawing 11. Last lo lo losing the last three in a row since a 3-1 victory in April 2018. So again, these are negative statistics for Spurs to want to put right. Spurs have kept just one clean sheet in the last 17 away matches against Chelsea in all comps. And that's one thing. Whoever wins, I don't think it's going to be... I think it's both teams are going to score. I don't think anyone's walking away with a clean sheet. Chelsea, who have seven, and that's level with Southampton... And Spurs, who have eight, are currently on the longest unbeaten runs in the Premier League, with Spurs one of three sides with a 100% away record in the competition so far this season. So again, Spurs should have every bit of confidence that they can go there and, and cause an upset. Since the start of 2018-19, Chelsea have won eight of their last 10 home London derbies in the Premier League, losing one and drawing one, dropping points in consecutive games last season against West Ham and obviously in the draw against Arsenal. So I'm happy to see what happens. You know, that's a game I'm going to be looking at for me. For I'm looking towards, apart from Arsenal, for obvious reasons. Um, I think Southampton versus United is going to be a good game. Not in terms of quality, but I'm keen to see West Brom versus Sheffield United. Obviously, the blockbuster headline is Chelsea versus Spurs. Um, Chelsea versus Spurs and I'd probably... I don't think that's on a Saturday. Surely that's on a... Um, Super Sunday, I could be wrong, but we've been here for 44 minutes, people. We've reviewed all the action of the, that's gone over this week. There isn't much to speak about other, other than that, really. There's not really too many headlines. You know, it was nice to see Pepe doing well. It's obviously nice for Arsenal to win. Once again, RIP Diego Maradona. So it's nice to see Napoli win. So, yeah, we've talked about the European competition. We've previewed the Premier League. So, yeah, I'll be back again on Tuesday, people. It's normally a Monday or a Tuesday. It's going to be Tuesday because there is Premier League football on a Monday. So make sure Tuesday morning you're obviously looking about to stuff. And obviously, I'll be there as well on a Friday. Tuesday, Monday slash Tuesday, Friday, there's two podcasts a week. Sandwiched in between that, there's hell of content on, the, on, on my channel. So make sure you're checking the description in relation to this, this podcast. You know, all the information you need to find is there where you can follow me and get more of your fix of deluded please make sure you're following me on spotify as well please make sure you're subscribed on youtube please make sure you're following across all socials i'm gonna get out of here though on that note dg i'm out it's been fantastic speaking to you guys